0: Praise God, everybody. That was absolutely out of this world. Thank you, Brother Elder. And I told him before service, I said, now, I got a feeling what you're going to do, but uh, don't go any longer than 40 minutes. But when God is in it, when God is in it, That was fabulous. Appreciate that, Brother Elder. And I want to say, while you're standing and turning in your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter number 16, I want to say, Brother Godare, thank you so much for the invitation. We are highly honored to be here with you in this fantastic conference. And uh, everywhere that I look here, I see uh, the manifestation of a visionary. And um, it's just amazing. I've been a long, long time. A uh, fan of Brother Goder. In fact, in 1995, my wife and I were home missionaries and we came here for a home missions conference. And, uh, we had just a few folks in our church. I never imagined in my wildest dreams that sitting right back over there that, uh, 20 years afterwards, I'd be preaching here. Um, but God is good. God is really good. And, uh, love him so very, very much. In fact, right after that, within six-month period of time, back in Spokane, my uh, uh, I went through a very, very tough time there. For over slightly over one year, I did not have one Bible study and did not baptize one person. And um, I was at the church praying one morning. We were in our second building, which was a commercial storefront. And I felt like the Holy Ghost came to me and said that if I did it where Brother Johnny Goddare is, I can do it in Spokane, Washington. So Brother Goddare, I appreciate you so very, very much for being the man of God that you are. Amen. All of the ministry, there's several bishops that are here. Tremendous ministry that is represented here today. Uh, I honor you highly, the saints of God. We love and appreciate you and honor you so very, very much. And uh, the hospitality has been phenomenal. The hospitality has been second to none. Anytime you have uh, the host pastor running around saying, get you, get you another piece, get you another piece, get you another piece, uh, I just want to say thank you. I don't need that other piece, by the way, <laughs> i appreciate it so much. And uh, it's great to have my wife here with me. I love her so much. And uh, she never hesitated to go uh, to Spokane, Washington and start with nothing. Start with nothing. When you start with nothing, everything from there is thankfulness. Amen. God works best when he makes something out of nothing. Praise God. Well, I I realize that some of you are saying, you know what, this guy has really got a lot of gumption to get up after that, but I really do believe I've, I've heard from God, I really do believe, and I, you know, i Started to kind of wonder, you know, maybe, maybe this thing is, and I'm fine with that. I didn't have to get up here. I would be just fine to, to just worship God and pray and, and uh, be uh, just bask in the Holy Ghost. But I really do feel like God has a word for somebody, and even beyond this room here uh, today. The book of Judges, chapter number 16, and we're going to begin reading in verse number uh, 25. And it came to pass. When their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there and were there upon the roof, about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords, upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life And I want to preach to us for a few moments being very mindful of time here this is a bad place to be between a bunch of great Pentecostals and a bunch of great food but I, I marvel at your love for the word of God but I want to preach the Samson option the Samson option Let's put our hands together one more time. Let's give the Lord some praise. Oh God, move among us. Take us to another level. I thank God for what has taken place. But in the Holy Ghost, take us to another level. By the authority of the name of Jesus. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand and you may be seated. In Jesus' name. One of the great mysteries of and criticisms of sitting presidents in a global conflict is their lack of a military exit strategy. We will quick, quickly review just a few of these here this afternoon. By definition, an exit strategy is a plan of departure after either an objection objective has been reached or as a means of mitigating loss or failure. One of the most prominent illustrations of this was the Vietnam conflict. JFK was months before his assassination. He had publicly announced his total withdrawal from Vietnam, citing it as a unwinnable conflict. In fact, there's some that believe that that led to the very reason behind his assassination. Interestingly, less than 30 days after his assassination, LBJ renewed the resolve and turned the conflict into an all-out war. Bill Clinton was publicly criticized for having no clear exit strategy in the Bosnian conflict. George W. Bush was criticized for not only going into Iraq, but the faulty and flimsy reasoning surrounding the weapons of mass destruction. In the end, the rise of ISIS is in part due to the fact that there was no enduring and defined exit strategy. Or if there was, President Obama did not see it because we are currently still embroiled in an exit strategy for Afghanistan. And today, there are still many, many Americans that are there. But all of these examples, there was no clear exit strategy. And then there is the Samson option. The Samson option is unlike any military strategy that the history of the world has ever seen. It is basically a strategy that was held in the highest levels of the Israeli government until a book was written in 1991 by a man by the name of Seymour Hirsch, who was a Jew. It declares that in the event that Israel is either overrun by its enemies or facing nuclear attack, that they would launch the entirety of their nuclear arsenal in a form of utter regional annihilation. This theory is still in place today. Basically, the Samson option as an exit strategy is basically defined as a concept that if I am going out, I am taking everyone with me. Can you handle some more preaching? I believe in the rapture of the church. I don't care who's going to be president. I am looking for his imminent return. What do you say we do everything within our power and in our resource to take everybody out with us? Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. famous general Moshe Diane was quoted as saying, we have the capability to take the world down with us. And I can assure you that that will happen before Israel goes under. I would like to see the church of the living God become alive with that type of attitude. I know we're about to, to leave this planet. I know we're about to see his second return. It's a time to get a hold of everybody that we know and have radical revival. It's already been preached in this conference. This conference has already set the pace for real radical revival. Revival that goes beyond our comfort zone. Revival that goes beyond our inconveniences. Revival that goes beyond the limitations. Revival that unleashes the almighty God. (laughs) Woo! God bless you. You may be seated. Of course, the story of Samson needs little introduction and little commentary. It is one of the most haunting stories in the Bible. It is the story of a wasted life with wasted opportunities. But any time you have a miraculous birth, spiritual empowerment, and no morals, you are looking for a tragedy. Yeah. Samson was raised up to be a deliverer. He begins his short tenure by, desire, by desiring strange women and ultimately fails God in the lap of a harlot named Delilah. I know it's already been preached so well and so eloquently. But I want to tell you where your head is at makes all the difference in your world. We ought to recognize that our head does not belong in the lap of Delilah. The average American spends 24 hours online and almost 2 hours a day on social media. I say it's time to give it to God. I say it's time to give it to prayer. I It might be time to take social media and put it in the altar where it belongs and say, I'm giving it all to God. I do not believe that Samson's source of power was one that was visibly noticeable. I do not believe that he had bulging muscles. I do not believe that he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't, I don't believe he looked like some of you in this building. I believe he looked kind of, kind of normal, like me. But when the Spirit of God came on him, that which is average becomes extraordinary. Home missionary, you're not average. You're tapped into the supernatural. You don't, you're not just going through the motions. You are tapped into the extraordinary. Praise God. I remember my very, you may be seeing my very first visit to an apostolic church. I was a hardcore heavy metal rocker, Bishop. Blonde hair, tight pants, and red go-go boots. (laughs) I walked into a good apostolic one God church, and they looked holy and modest like this assembly here today. And you looked me up and down, and I looked you up and down, and we didn't understand each other. But I want to tell you what, what looked like it was from another world to me. Like, man, I can't hang with this group. They looked, they looked like they just stepped off the Mayflower. But honey, when the praises went up, I said, I feel something. the Spell, it was that first spirit that was on Samson that that took that that was just average and and just kind of fit in with the crowd. But when the Spirit of God came on him, there was the miraculous power and strength from the Almighty God to vanquish the enemy. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Finally, in Judges 16 and 17, he finally reveals to Delilah the source of his strength. And that's really what the devil wants is the source of your strength. And the source of his strength was a Nazarite vow. And it was a vow of separation. Honey, when you lose your separation, you lose the divine favor of God. Don't tell me that you feeling God is enough. You've got to more than just feel God I want to know can you walk with God I want to know can you hear from God I want to know can you obey the voice of God let's thank God for old time old-fashioned one God Bible separation Woo, I thank God for this Samson lost his separation Samson lost his power and when you lose your power you're going to lose your ability to see some things you know we, Brother Elder did a, fa- a fabulous job and I'm just man when these guys got done preaching I thought man there's not much left for me but you know little as much when it's in the hands of God but you want to know why so many Pentecostals are heading to the sports stadiums? When you're not having revival, you've got to do something. And they've traded the glory of God for the glory of man. Don't tell me that throwing a baseball and a football will ever come close to seeing somebody get the Holy Ghost in your altar on a Sunday night. Don't tell me that somebody catching a ball with a jersey can come close to some one God's sister whipping her hair around, flinging bobby pins like 50 caliber bullets. Thank God for the separation that we hold. Somebody praise him. I'm not ashamed of this. I've already seen the other side. You can't talk me out of this. You can't shame me. I remember when I first went to church, I was living as a musician on the road, and uh, uh, I didn't have any decent church clothes. I didn't know what church clothes were, but... uh, I was living out of cardboard boxes, and way at the bottom of, of a box was a pair of corduroys. It was the most decent thing I could wear at church. And uh, I put those things on. I didn't own an iron. They were all wrinkled. And uh, they were high water pants that went up to about there. And the guy that lived underneath me, he had just known about the parties and the all-night, and the music, and the loud, and the banging around till all middle of the morning and he saw me coming down the steps with pants that were wrinkled he said hey where are you going looking like that I'm getting baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation it might look plain to the world but it looks beautiful to God it is the beauty of holiness it is the beauty of holiness oh somebody praise him Praise God. Praise God. Once in the possession of his enemies, they put out his eyes. They bound him with fetters of brass. They chained him and shackled him to where he walked in circles. When you lose your separation and you lose your power and you lose your ability to perceive revelation and understanding. You're going to begin walking in a tight circle from Wednesday to Sunday. There's no changes. There's no changes in the scenery. There's no highs. There's no lows. You're just walking in circles. We don't need some modern Christian rock group to say, hey, we can have a crowd. I'll tell you. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's been able to take their shot. It's my time. We don't need some contemporary Christian rock band to have a revival. We need old-fashioned prayer. We need old-fashioned fasting. We need old-fashioned soul winning. My goodness. Somebody praise it. Somebody thank God. And then all of a sudden in verse number 22, the Bible makes an incredible observation. "Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again. God did not have to put that in there. I believe that God was telling us that hope is still there. Hope is still there. Hope is still there. His hair began to grow again. Hallelujah. Don't ever give up. When you fall down, just get right back up. Just say, you know what? Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. We're going somewhere here in just a few minutes. But we got to understand our greatest weapon that we have for end time revival is right here in this building. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. The God of all hope, the God of all grace. God bless you. You may be seated. Several observations I need to make here while Samson is standing between the pillars. Samson developed a critical end time exit strategy. He said, I've wasted my past. I'm no good to nobody in my present. I woke up early in this morning. I came here to tell somebody, devil, you may have had yesterday. You can't have tomorrow. I know we don't like to emphasize failure. But honey, you got to understand. He understands failure. You get right back up and say, you know what? Today's going to be different. His mercies are new today. I'm reaching out for some people here today. (laughs) ( speechless) Samson could not see, but he could hear. Samson could feel. And Samson could pray. I marvel when I see... And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be critical. But I marvel when I see older saints that that have not yet learned how to pray. When I was a new convert, Bishop Holmes, I came to a place where the new convert zeal was getting old. And Bishop, I feel like God told me, you're either going to learn to pray, or you're going to be back smoking dope. You're either going to have to learn to pray, or you're going to be back on the bottle. Honey, prayer is not an onerous thing. Prayer is your way up. It's your way out. It's already been preached. I'm just rehearsing it. But it was so right. Prayer is your way up and your way out. I don't really believe we had a real breakthrough in Spokane, Washington till we could finally get people to go to the prayer room. People in our culture are programmed to be entertained by the preacher and have a little hand clap and have a little deal and he'll hear something encouraging and hear some positive mentality. But I want to tell you, when people started finding out we're in the prayer room, it's all about the prayer room. It's all about the prayer room. room. Don't show me your gym if you ain't got a prayer room. Don't show me the sanctuary if you ain't got a prayer room. I hope I didn't say something wrong right there. Well, Brother Mayo doesn't know anything about that. Sir, our very first storefront I said, we got to have two rooms because one's got to be the prayer room. you got to have a prayer room. When people come in from the job and they come from a hard day, they are bringing all that pressure, carnality, if you please, all those things that are between their ears, and they're bringing them right into the house of God. When you go to the prayer room, you are getting in alignment You are getting in adjustment. You are getting into sync with the Spirit. And so when you come in, you can flow in praise and you get behind your man of God. And the pulpit and the pew can work together to have a new birth. We had to break four strongholds when we started that church. First one was the prayer room. Second one was the altar. Third one was worship. Fourth one was giving. Thanks be to God. One by one, every single one of those walls have come down. My wife and I just made up in our mind, devil, we are not backing off. You are not running the side of town. I told my wife, what we're having to do is you and I are having to stick it out over every man that was brought here and gave up by the same spirit that said, we're going to wait you out. Ain't nothing going to happen. There ain't going to be a break. I'm here to tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All things are possible. When you've been exposed to a real revival church and a church that is plugged into principle, you just stand fast on what you know. Be submitted to your headship and in an amount of time, you'll be pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back and God will prevail. Praise God. Bishop, I wasn't going to say this, but everybody has said that while they preach. I wasn't going to say this. There was a man in another organization that was the head of a whole region for uh, home missions. In our second year there in Spokane, we didn't have hardly anything. I was able to go full time in eight months, though. We lived on spam and didn't even own furniture. But uh, but you know, when you're in it for the right reasons, it don't matter about all that stuff. I got more stuff than I need right now, I can tell you that. But see, I know where it came from. When you start with zero, everything above that is praise God. In fact, even when you got zero, it's thank God I got the Holy Ghost. Thank God I got a pastor. Thank God I got brethren. Thank God I've got the word of God. Thank God I've got a calling. Thank God I've got a promise. Thank God I've got a prophecy. Meeting our second year there, and I remember him saying, looking right at me. He lived in Oregon at the time. And he looked right at me. He said, "Brother Mayo, you will never build a church in Spokane, Washington. In my spirit, you're going to have to forgive me." But I said, "I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name." If God sent you, God's going to build something. God did not send you there to be a failure. God did not send you there to end up with nothing. My God, I'm feeling it right now yalla Somebody praise him right now. I'm coming down the home stretch. <laughs> That's absolutely. my wife. My wife and I got back from that home home missions rally, and I remember you preaching about putting the signs out with numbers, and uh, you were talking about. Um, you shouldn't be thinking, how, much should, how many do we have and how much should we get? My wife and I had done that for a while. Because we was just trying to know if we was going to pay our rent. And how many do we have and how much, how much should we get? But I don't even think about that now. You know why? We're way down the road and it's all about God. God's doing it. 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 Samson could pray. I don't care if you're in a hospital bed. As long as your conscience, you can pray. Our ability to pray, it's not based on how much we have. I know we got some home missionaries here, and you understand exactly what I'm saying. There's just sometimes you say, Well, I'm I'm just praying because I love God. I'm just praying because I want to be with Him. I'm just praying because I want to be near Him. Oh, man. Samson could still pray. And in his 20 years of judging, he only prayed twice. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines and he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords, upon all the people that were therein, so that in his death he slew more than which he was alive. Let's lift our hands and just say, God, I want to do something for you before I leave here. I want to do something. I want to do more in the period of time now. To my demise than what I've done the days before. Come on, would you pray that with me right now? God, by the authority of the name of Jesus. God, help me to develop an exit strategy. God's going to help you. God's going to help you. God is going to help you. God is going to help you. You can be seated if you like. I think after that I've been able to see this from both sides of it in the Word of God, that I think that we might have had a little incomplete view of Samson. Hebrews chapter number 11, which is known as the great hall of faith, gives us examples of the great heroes in chronological order. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. And in verse 32 And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. What's he doing there? What is Samson doing? A lover of immorality, disobedient to his parents. Violated a vow to God. I took a look at that. The only mention of Samson's name in the entire New Testament. And I started reading through there. And I thought, what what is it that Samson could be possibly credited for? And, And the Bible says in verse number 33... Three, who through faith subdued kingdoms. but wasn't him. Right- righteousness. That wasn't him. Obtain promises. That wasn't him either. Stop the mouths of lions. Nope, that was Daniel. Quench the violence of fire. That wasn't him. Escape the edge of the sword. No way. Out of weakness made strong. understand I'm wounded. Praise him in your pain. Worship in your woundedness. Yea though I walk through. Yea though I walk through. Yea though I walk through. I'm not going to be buried here. I'm not going to build a condo here. I'm not going to build a memorial here. For thou art with me. Somebody praise him. God's with you in your trouble. God's with you in your crisis. God's with you in your pain. God's with you in your dilemma. God's with you in your valley. God is with you in your failure. God is with you in your failure. maybe see. So, I went on a little bit of a hermeneutical study. That's a fancy word that means interpretation. (laughs) Brother Larry Booker preached our summit conference two years ago, and he preached a message about defining moments. In fact, Bishop, after you preached that, I contacted you and I said, that message is chewing on me. Because you see, a lot of these people that are in Hebrews chapter 11, they had both successes and failures. Abraham found a Hagar. Hagar. Even though Romans 4 said, he staggered not. So, what was his defining moment? Was his defining moment Isaac or Ishmael? God leaves it up to you. Samson, are you going to be a failure? with one last blast. Are you gonna go out with the church thinking you're a nobody? Or are you gonna pray through and say, to my dying day, I'm a somebody? Are you gonna sit there and let the opinions of the devil put you lower and lower and lower, or are you gonna jump up and say, my greatest day is right before me? Somebody needs an action strategy. Clap your hands and give God the praise. A righteous man falls. A righteous man falls. Get back up. Get back in the battle. Get back in the fight. You can do it. I'm going to use Brother Elder. Man, he preached everything. Him and Brother Spell just didn't leave me anything but a little chicken wing and a roll. <laughs> half of a shit fish and half of a piece of bread. There was a beautiful young mother in our church. I married her and her husband. She was a new convert. Baptized in Jesus name, Phil, the Holy Ghost. dedicated their children. At 32 years of age, mysteriously, cancer came upon her. In the latter days of cancer, when they moved her to hospice, they had said that she was witnessing to everybody. Every doctor that came in there, she was witnessing to. They changed her bedpan. She was talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were drawing blood to say, have you been baptized in Jesus' name yet? Honey, we we need an exit strategy in Pentecost. We're about to get out of here. I believe the trumpet can sound at any time. And I want to give Jesus Christ every single piece of strength, every drop of sweat, every drop of blood, I want to give it to God. Clap your hands and give him praise. The church needs an exit strategy. The church needs to make up their mind. The church says the American dream is dead. Give me Christ. I think that there are so many saints. And having Having pastored for almost 23 years, I know this to be true that oftentimes it can be just one mistake. Oftentimes it can be a series of mistakes, series of failures, that they become chained to a pew. But if you're chained to a pew, you can still pray. I believe our greatest resource for end time revival are some of the good people of God that are seated before me in congregations like this all over the land that the devil has somehow convinced. You lost the ball, I got it, you're out of the game. You just take a seat there on the pew, you just be a good saint, but you can forget ever doing anything for God. I'm here to tell you it's time for a Samson option whether I perish. Perish. I've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm going to get on the phone and call family members. I'm going to go to my neighbors and learn their names. I'm going to get a new bus route. I'm going to get up a Bible study. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go out of this world and take everybody with me. Somebody clap your hands and give me breath. remain standing. And so with Samson right in position he said God avenge me of mine eyes this once and let me die with my enemies. And the Bible said that he bowed. God, if it takes me to go on another three day fast for my backslidden children, it's the hour we need to pray. Somebody needs to be pressing. Instead of looking at retirement, we need to say, I need to up my ante on my prayer life. I need to press. Press for your backson children. Press. You say, I've lost my joy. Press. I've lost my victory. Press. I've lost the joy of the Lord. Press. I've lost my children. Press and the building will come down. For 30 years of Rick Mayo's life, and I'm closing. Musicians, please come. For 30 years of Rick Mayo's life, it was destroying myself and helping to destroy others. I've made up my mind, Bishop, that I'm gonna do this and live for God with everything I've got till my dying breath. I have an exit strategy. I'm wondering if there's somebody in this audience today that's already willing to develop an exit strategy and say, you know what? It's going to inconvenience me. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I'm going to get on that bus ministry. I'm going to go ahead and pay for a bus. I'm going to go ahead and get in that prayer meeting. This is what I'm deciding to do for the rest of my life. It's time to have an exit strategy out of this world and take everybody... You that would do that, I'm inviting you into this altar. If you're a young person, you're welcome. If you're a middle-aged person, you're welcome. If you're an older, you're welcome. Let's find an exit strategy to win the lost and win our family. Come on, God is with you. 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 God is going to help you. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up up in Jesus' name. Samson got in the hall of faith because of his ending, not his beginning. He was placed in Hebrews 11 because of his ending, because of the final moments of his life. The finality of his life was greater than anything he had ever accomplished before. Come on, somebody lift your hands and let's find that place in God to recommit, to get fresh direction and to develop an exit strategy. Bring down the enemy's house, you just start pressing. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and press! Press! Open up the sky, fall down like rain. I'm not going to let my family be lost whatever it takes. I'm going to push. I'm going to press, I'm going to pray. working for God. I'm gonna go out of this as a soul winner. I'm gonna go out of this with anointing. Oh it be said their latter end was greater than their former. Come home. I will not stop till my kids come home. And then I'll start praying for somebody else. la 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 I'm not giving up no matter what. with pastoring 500 I want a thousand I want to pastor however many we can lay our hands on I want to always be pursuing a bigger building I always want to be pursuing another soul I want another grave of revival I want to be doing the will of God